Welcome everybody to Startup Hype Man's Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka The Raj Nation. I am your show's host and the founder and creative force behind Startup Hype Man, helping startups everywhere build their hype by creating a message that sings. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. It's about the mindset, processes, and strategies to help you build a badass company. Now, before we dive into today's conversation, I would like to extend an invitation to join our tribe at StartupHypeMan.com. Enter your email address there, and you will never miss another episode of this show, getting an email in your inbox every single week when we drop new episodes on Mondays. You'll also get my weekly thoughts, strategies, and ideas on how to build up your hype and create a raving fan base. All right, let's dive in now to this week's conversation of Discover Your Inner Awesome. Welcome, everybody. Today on the show, we have hip-hop artist who actually goes by a different title, but of hip-hop chaplain. His name is Sir the Baptist. Sir, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to talk to you, especially because... It's rare that the person I'm going to talk to, I'm listening to their album on the way (laughs) to go see them. So uh, I have I have all your your whole most recent album stuck in my head right now, Um, and I'm I'm excited to talk more about that. But our topic today specifically is how do you balance marketing against propaganda? Uh, I think this is something that entrepreneurs really need to be mindful of and considerate of. But when I asked you like why is this on your mind, you had a pretty interesting response. Can can you let our listeners know? why this topic is on your mind? You know what? I I have it from multiple angles. You know, um, musically, I feel like a lot of conscious rap isn't necessarily conscious. It's propaganda. Conscious rap makes us consciously aware of the answers instead of just the problem. So to move forward in hip hop, I think we would have to redefine what conscious rap is and how to, you know, be the answers instead of just propaganda uh, the problem. Because there's a lot of problems, uh, specifically in my community, but we, we have to deal with them differently. On the marketing angle, um, I, working at Leo Burnett, it was a moment where I had to either walk out of the room or stay in there and be a part of the propaganda. Uh, it, was a, it was a project I was working on. Uh, twisted, bop it, sort of bop it thing. Yeah. And um, the the project manager at that point said, hey, listen, we need something sexual, something to play off the kid's sexuality. And I understood the concept of marketing, but I also knew that propaganda and what it would do. See, the difference is one considers the community and considers the consumer, the other lays off the consumer's addiction to negativity. That's a really interesting and poignant, uh, I guess, I don't know about revelation, but just a point that you made there. So we'll dive way more into that. That's a fantastic precursor. So everyone listening, (laughs) stay tuned. We'll be talking more about that. Um, Before we dive into the thick of that, let's kind of learn more about who Sir the Baptist is. Now, 
Uh, you're Sir the Baptist today by your recording artist name. Um, obviously, you were not born that, though. You were born James Haven Stokes. So can you tell us about what your upbringing was like and what do you think is the top one or two lessons that you take away from your childhood? You know what? Always be yourself, even if it's not the coolest thing in the room. Um, cool has its has its place. You know, everything has its time. But um, honesty and uh, being the best person you can be um, is, is timeless in your contribution to the world. So knowing who you are and, and being that in the room, uh, my dad taught me that. And my mom would teach me that uh, every life matters. You know, every person matters. Every, every thought, feeling, uh, expression that they have um, and no matter how far you get or how much money you get, the person with nothing in their pocket matter, you know. So uh, my mom is a missionary to this day, and I take her on tour as mission trips. And, and this is this is the, the second thing I, I learned. Now, let's kind of dive into, I guess, the missionary angle a little bit more. So your music now is it's very focused on like spirituality yeah. and not from a like condescending viewpoint, which I think it could be easily, someone can take, you know, like spiritual music to that degree pretty easily. Yeah. Yours is really, I would say more in like an uplifting sense, but I guess, where did that notion start from? Is it, you know, your mom is putting the Bible in front of you as a kid? Is it a different route? How does that come? How does spirituality become a role in your life? You, you know what? I was born into spirituality as a business first. So the, the, the business side of spirituality, I was learning very young. My dad was a pastor, my missionary, and I was running the junior church. Um, so I understood what it was like to organize humans, one, two, to understand humans and how they connect to spirituality, three, how to raise funds and money as, an, as a spiritual organization. Um, very early, I'm talking nine or 10 years old, over 300, uh, 300 kids. You know, so in the beginning, I learned um, what I didn't or did like about the culture I was born into and uh, wanted to make the change. So that's why I made it spiritual, because I understood that spirituality leads us whether we want to or not. Even someone that denounces God or spirituality has to de- has to have something to denounce. So it, it, it's always there and, and, and it's inescapable wherever you are in the world. I think that we all face a moment where we confront our own beliefs or our own spirituality. And for me, you know, my, I, my upbringing and my my religious affiliation is Hinduism. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, growing up, I knew we did. It was kind of part of life, but I wasn't really into it. Me neither. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then it probably wasn't until in the last three, four years that I've really more like embraced it um, and wanted to learn more about it because I, I see how much of a cultural tie I have to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm like the last of the Mohicans, right? So I got to like stay, I got to stay tied to something that's part of my culture, which has kind of allowed me to dive more into it. 
Do you recall sort of your moment where you mentioned like, you know, you had to like separate it from religion into spirituality. Yeah. What happened that, what was your moment of having to confront? Everyone, you start to realize when everyone in the room is um, damaged by something, you realize, okay, there's a problem here. No one's talking about it. The big elephant in the room was that no one had the answers to the key um, to, to, to the key import, key important, I guess, important things that was um, a part of spirituality around me, you know? Um, all the major questions they didn't have answers on. And all the people around them were hurting from quote-unquote sin. So, you know, if you were gay, you couldn't go to church. My brother couldn't go to church. And my dad was the pastor. Um... But he was molested in the basement of the church by one of the preachers. Your brother was? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you have my sister, who, her, name, her name's Marriott, the, the song Deliver Me, about it. It's about your sister? Yeah, that's about my sister. I didn't know that was about your sister. It yeah, was about yeah. a sister. I didn't nah. know it was about your sister. Yeah, okay. that's my sister. So, you know, middle of all of that, you know, everybody's shouting and praising God and loving the Lord, but didn't take time out to love her and teach her how to love herself. So at some point, we became so cerebral that we didn't focus on what was in front of our eyes. We have people to worry about, you know? So we came, became so spiritually minded that we were no earthly good. And when that happened, I, I said, okay, you know, I have to find these answers. And I started looking for those answers. So it was, became less about blind surrender to what you've been told and more about let me seek out what I want out of this. Yeah, because like if we're all in the room and nobody has the answers and no one's looking for the answers and everyone's pretending for the sake of religion, who's going to stop pretending for the sake of religion and care about people? Right, right. Now, as you get older, you know, what I think is interesting in the entrepreneur landscape is not... Very rarely is someone on like a, a straight and narrow path and that's how they start their company. Like they mm -hmm. knew from day one they were going to do this thing and they were always just prepping for it. It's, it's usually more a lot of twists and turns and before they know it, they've started a company. Yeah. Now, I think in the same vein, you've had a pretty interesting path of twists and turns. Yeah. Some of them actually literally because you were driving a lift car. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that was good. That was good. But what I'm really curious to learn more about is, you know, you are a recording artist now, but you worked, you were a professional marketer before, yeah. as you mentioned, working at Leo Burnett. Yeah. How does, how do you get into that in the first place? I was, um, I was at my dad's church and I was doing so well with marketing. I, I had no choice. Um, I didn't have a degree and I, I didn't want to work at just anywhere. So I went to my dad, um, said, hey, listen, I want something to do. My brother, who was over the church at that time, gave me a job and he was like, hey, you can work on graphics since you're good on Photoshop. And it went from Photoshop to really studying why do we use these colors, market, marketing, uh, micro and uh, macroeconomics, research and development, and really dug deep into economics and, and why we buy and you know, you know, consumers and all of that. Um, and I continually worked on it. and. Uh, I started landing uh, opportunity and brand partnerships between my dad's uh, non-for-profit and uh, Morton Salt, Walgreens, McDonald's, um, 
So then I had a friend of my brother's come to the church and say, hey, listen, I want you to come out. We're going to go grab some McDonald's. You're going to go to McDonald's. Thought we was just grabbing McDonald's. We grabbed McDonald's at this McDonald's meeting. And sitting there was uh, Marlena Lazar and uh, Ira Antelis. And at the point, Marlena Lazar was the head of international marketing for McDonald's. Um, and, they, and Leo Burnett had the, the gig. Um, it was to turn uh, McDonald's music into an actual hybrid, like a, an actual music company, music, part music and part marketing. So they would use the music in the commercials, but they would own the music to distribute as well. Um, <laughs> it gets into you know quite a few things, because then that turned into a, another deal we did with Candy Carter um, for McDonald's TV, all the TVs that were in McDonald's. So at this point, a sweaty kid that was just playing basketball outside of my dad's church was sitting at a table and everyone was two, uh, two times older than I am. And How I, old were you at the time? Oh, I was probably 20, 21, if that. Okay. You know, and um, at that point, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I started working at Leo Burnett and I was director of digital marketing for... Um, McDonald's first ever music record label. They had to have known you had some type of a music background, though, right? They weren't just no, like, no. They, so they were. <laughs> my, my 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 brother's friend did. He knew I was in a choir at some point, but they had no idea that like I was really going to do that. They were just focused on the fact that I had the capability of taking uh, visuals and putting uh, concept and, and marketing behind them. Okay. On the music side, when did you get into listening to hip-hop music? I, I, I always liked hip-hop music. I just couldn't listen to it. My dad, because he's a <laughs> preacher, my dad was born in 1924. He didn't believe in um, multitasking with your ears. <laughs> multitasking with your ears. Wow. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't believe that you could listen to... You said your dad was born in 1924? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't listen to hip-hop and believe in, in God, which is why he was really big on. Do you want to, you know, do you want to go to hell like Michael Jackson and all of this? You mm-hmm. know, my dad was really old fashioned and just didn't believe in it. Um, yeah, I, I I was always in love with it though. We would, me and my brother would sneak and listen to uh, Nelly, and <laughs> and being in a church, growing up in the hood, the church really wasn't like what neighborhood were you in? Uh, Bronzeville. Yeah. Uh, right there on 43rd in Cottage Grove. My dad's name is on the street. It's 43rd uh, and Dr. James B. Stovall Drive. But um, yeah, at that point, I was like, you know what? I want to listen to hip hop more, but I couldn't. And my brother, we would sneak and listen to it. And we would listen to like Nelly or Jay-Z. And uh, yeah, that's when I fell in love with hip hop. When did you start making your own music? And was it as simple as just like ciphering in like the back of the church lot? Or you know what? It started off with more singing than it did uh, rapping. You know, um, part of church is really musical, especially in, in like black African American churches. It's really more musical than it is anything, um, because music is spirituality to us in some sort of way. We we when getting beat over the head by a slave came up with 
and Negro spirituals. You yeah. know, so it, it's it's always been musical for us. Um, so I was doing music in a, in a singing way more than rapping. And then as, when my dad died when I was 11, I got into rapping naturally as a rebellion of, to the church. And you probably didn't have to hide it as much then either. No, I didn't right? have to hide it. And then I started listening to Eminem, which is like the <laughs> maximum white ego. You know, mom, I hate you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't do those things because my mom would like tear me to pieces. Yeah. But um, for what I did, what it did is it allowed me to get some of that anger out in a time when I, I really need to express myself. Yeah. How losing your dad at an early age, how did that change, I guess, your early teen years and how you developed, do you think? You know, it, it did a lot. One, my dad was my best friend. So losing him was pretty much taking the world away from me since then. I haven't had a best friend. Um, and this is since I was 11, you know. But... Um, Moving on from there, like as a son, I was stripped of my inheritance that my family had brought and gained when it came over from Scandinavia, um, my dad's side. Um, my mom's African-American, um, but my dad's side. So it left me and my mom and my brother pretty much homeless. Before going homeless, we slept in a house in Chicago weather with no heat for four years straight and mildew was on the walls and stuff. It was, it was really crazy. This was in Brownsville? No, this was in the south side of Chicago, like the hundreds. It was 120th and low. Okay. Yeah. So you've had quite a bit of, you've had some pretty significant life experiences. Yeah. And, and that's all by the time you're like 14 years old. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I get in high school, it, it only, you know, got more complex. You know, my brothers were all into drugs and game banging and, and I couldn't do that. I wasn't going to do it. I used to get shot at for wearing hand-me-downs. You know how your brother you yeah. know, passed something down? You know what I mean? But I couldn't do that. I do you mean literally shot at? Yeah, I, I literally got shot at because they thought I was my brother. But I had on his full outfit. Wow. And, you know, when you come from less, you have to, like, share. Right. Can you... I'm dying to know this. That's the wrong word to use. I'm, I'm very curious about this. I would imagine our listeners would benefit from hearing this too. What is the feeling of knowing you are getting shot at or that you just got shot at? You know what? For me, it was, am I going to survive this? Am I hit? Like, your adrenaline is rushing so much. Where you know, So much is going on. The... Um, the sound of it is really alarming and, and uh, disheartening, you know. Um, I I was in front of a bus stop, so it was almost impossible for me to, um, for the bullet to miss me. So I had to like jump, like jump down and like roll under to, to possibly not get shot. Like under the bench, you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, under the bench, but the bench is connected to the to the part that sort of like corners you into oh this. yeah you know what i mean yeah. so you're on the bus stop you're cornered in into this little thing and you have to like roll down and like go and try to stand behind something mm -hmm. um yeah it, it was it was definitely disheartening you know you i don't think i've been on a bus pretty much since then on the, on the south side of chicago wow uh, i was in 79th street because i went to leo catholic high school 
did you feel like you gained more of an appreciation for life after that? Or did you not even think about that? I see, I see where there's a fork in the road at that point. You know, you get shot at, there's a fork in the road. There's, I don't want to get shot at again. I, you know, I got to go kill this person who shot at me. I don't know why they shot at me or if they were shooting at me. Um, but here's my, I have to go back and protect myself. And, um, and the other is I just got to get out of here, you know? And, um, at that point I grew some sort of, um, alarming consciousness of doing or being in negative spaces, which is why I started to look other places for, not in different communities, but, you know, 79th isn't my place to like go hang. I'm gonna go to Bronzeville, or I'll go to 120th, or somewhere where I'm not gonna get shot, or somewhere where it's not a, a problem or, you know, you start to value your life a little differently and say, okay, listen, I need to put myself in a position to where I can be okay. Yeah. And, you know, you ultimately did when we talked about the Leo Burnett stuff, right? Yeah. It's got to be a huge change yeah. going into like that skyscraper on yeah. Wacker Drive there. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, you know, I had my failures of like college and, and all of that sort of stuff. But I, that that's where I gained my, my, my self-awareness of, of what I can be. Yeah. So let's come back to that moment that you told us about at the beginning where you have the kids toy, a bop it or whatever it was. Yeah. And someone on the team is saying we need to sexualize this more. Yeah. Can you walk us through how did it, I guess, what was the setup there? How did it get to that point? And what was the mood in the room? You know, um, um, Willow Smith had just came out with uh, I whip my hair back and forth. Yeah, right? yeah. So it was I whip my was, hair back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they they wanted something like that. We did that. They came back. They wanted something a little bit more soft. And then of course this is Leo Burnett. So then they changed that again. And now they want something more sexual. And I and I just thought about this toy isn't sex toy. Like what are we doing playing off kids' sexuality? You know, I had done a little research to know that, you know, there has been marketing angles that that has been around for a long time, of even philosophers who have thought that going after sexuality, playing off sexuality, is important um, to to marketing. I actually remember when I was in high school applying to colleges. I majored in marketing in college, but when in like the essay. I was part of the application where you have mm -hmm. to say like, you know, like, why is this important to you or something like that. Yeah. And I, I actually remember writing in, in one of the essays like, I want to figure out why we feel like we have to sexualize something just to make it appealing or mm -hmm. why does something has to be marketed towards women be marketed in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Why does urban automatically mean black? Mm -hmm. Those are the types of things yeah. I was thinking about at the time. And I think it was a lot more like young and ambitious and like, yeah, like I can yeah. tackle anything, right? Mindset. Um, and ultimately, you know, and it's interesting because through some back and forth, I've kind of come back to that now, which is yeah. really working with startup companies on what's your message and kind of like out of the gate, right? Like, yeah. what are you going to build this company around? Yeah. Um, I can see how it would be very easy to take the route of, oh, we know people are going to like this. We know it because it's already working out there. Right. 
And that, I think, when when you talk about that idea of marketing versus propaganda, that's really what you're getting at, right? Right, is right. What's, is just because it's there, is it right? Right. Or is it just something that's there? Right. Like playing to the popular vote, you know, instead of, you know, instilling values into a community, you know. Um, I just, my, again, my dad was born in 1924. You don't, you don't want to... Um, you don't want to have unhealthy customers, you know. So it worries me, you know, when a, a record label says, "Okay, you know what? Do this or work with this artist because it's popular. We need the numbers. Don't mind the the morality behind it or the values or the principles or how a little kid is going to try to do the same thing he's doing." Or the or this is the new drug, you know. Um, it bothers me. It always has, and I've always wanted to change it. And this, to me, speaks to the importance of even like even for companies building a value value set early. Yeah, and not just building it and writing it down, but living by that too. Yeah. Right. It's easy to say this is our mission, this is our values, yeah. but then just kind of tuck it in a drawer. Yeah. So. Use it as a little badge. When yeah, right. Yeah, when people say, oh, what are your, what are your values? Oh, here we are. We, we show them up proudly. But then you do the exact opposite day to day. <laughs> right. Um, what do you feel is an effective way to not just say that they're your values, but actually live them? You know, you know what? If, if you can put your values to practice and you see um, the benefits of your values, that's more important than, you know, just marketing values. Like you have to see the benefits of it. You have to, you have to want it per person. It has to become, you know, one one thing that made computers amazing is that they personalized it. You know, you have to personalize your values to your consumers, and that's when it becomes not a marketing tactic to micro or macro, but it becomes a moment of individualizing an experience and knowing that it's going to either better or worsen someone's life. Yeah. Now that, you know, this whole idea is balancing marketing against propaganda. So we have what you just said there, and that is balanced against what you said earlier, it, which is it's easy to go with the popular vote. Right. However, sort of the whole point of marketing is, excuse me, the whole point of marketing is to find what the people like and play to that. So how do we... I guess, how do you do this and not go so far in the other direction that you're like, well, we just wasted thousands of dollars because we said, well, we have to do it differently when there were some answers that were right in front of us because the marketing re market research said the market wants this. Right. Well, you know, when I do research and marketing research, I do it based on what I would like to see in the market and how I would want it to go. You know, like my biggest, one of my biggest things um, with companies these days is that we don't have many innovators anymore. They, we build on top of platforms because we're so nervous. You know, I built my company off of Instagram. You know, oh, I built my company or I have, I just built a new phone. Well, well how about you build something that's not a phone and, and 
you know, we have so many apps on our phones that it doesn't do its original definition. You know, so you drop calls more than anything. You know, so it's 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 with yeah. You ignore calls more than anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> the right. Fu- the funny thing is, the phone is actually an app on the phone, right? Right, like, right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's like at this point, at this point, what are we doing? You know, like you don't have to market to what's there already. What you want to do is find the market for the piece that you have that's unique. We're retrofitting our dreams into what society says it, uh, is marketable. What we have to do is start seeing the problems of society so we can become, uh, so we can have more longevity. So if you're just doing marketing because you see that this is popular, then you've missed out on what isn't popular that you could have that could have made you more popular for doing this different thing. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, what what are we doing here? Are we all just following them online, or are we trying to change the world? Are we trying to advance? Like, I I, I read a a meme, um, that I think it was yesterday. Say we were supposed to have flying cars by now. <laughs> all we got is six nine. <laughs> and 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 that's that's you know six nine is this like you know rapper that caused all this conflict and and stuff like that. But you know we would have we would be a lot further if we weren't focused on what works and find what what needs to work. Yeah, you know you said a few things here that I'm really vibing with. Starting with what would I like to see in the market? Where would I like it to go? Right. Now that is very powerful because we often look at the opposite of that, which is what will the market allow me to do? Yeah. Which is not, as you said, it's not being innovative. Yeah. And that idea of building on others' platforms is very true, right? Like yeah. there's, a, there's a million Instagram influencers. Yeah. I, I, you know, I literally was thinking about this the other day because I, for my, for startup hype man, I post a lot of content on LinkedIn, actually. Mm. And I was like, isn't it amazing that they built this thing that is allowing other businesses to succeed on what they've built? And mm. there are whole industries that have been created out of it, um, companies that have been created out of it, right? Like there's, there are companies that the, the service they provide is generating leads using LinkedIn, yeah. Right. And if LinkedIn doesn't exist, that company probably doesn't exist. Right. Um, something I remember hearing someone say a long time ago, I don't even remember who said it, was what we should focus more on. We should focus less on building companies and more on building industries. Mm. Like what Apple was able, what Steve Jobs was able to do was right. create industry. Right. Right. The computing industry is what he created. Personal yeah. computing industry is what yeah. he created. Yeah. And I think you're right in that we get towards that point by asking where do I want the market to where not where do I want the market to go and where do I think it it's or what do I think it's potential of being yeah. versus just what is it today and how do I fit into that yeah right like yeah. Facebook's another example and it, it is an easy example but it's another example <laughs> but that's a platform that allows others to build on top of it right but it is the base platform that created industry and created whole new sectors of the economy at yeah. that and so many trillions of dollars of uh, revenue and income is generated because other the other companies are able to do business using Facebook. Uh, exactly. So if we use that sort of guiding principle, 
And it's interesting that you, you, you kind of pegged it as we don't have innovators because we're just looking at what has someone else built and how yeah. can we build on top of that. If we use that as the guiding principle, what are some ways we can reframe our mindset to think more in the direction of potential versus what, what exists today? You know, I, I think one of it is travel. Like travel. Once you, once you travel and you get out and you just like, and don't travel to travel to tell your friends that you traveled, you know what I mean? Or, or just <laughs> to, to post, post a photo about it. Yeah. Right, 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 right. No, travel to embrace culture and understand it. You know, like one thing that I thought was really amazing is when I heard that uh, Steve Jobs went to a monk retreat and like really went into self to find out like, you know, what are the answers here? You know, I think finding, for me, it's been yoga. You know, for well, you got to come take one of my classes. Then. Yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely. It, for me, it's been that. You know, I had to I had to step away from, you know, Hollywood and, and commercial and, and, oh, you with Jay or you with Beyonce or you with all of these people. Like, they're not paying my bills, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not. They're not. They're not making sure my kids are mentally healthy. Yeah, that's not. That's not what. It, that's not where it starts or ends. Like, what about the people that's in the community? You know what I mean? How do you change that? So, I just. I just. You have to. You have to one travel and then expand your your worldview. And sometimes, you know, most times it should start in yourself. Your worldview starts with an inner look in the world of how you treat the world, how you contribute to the world, instead of what you're in, how you can change it, how you can advance it. Yeah, you, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to do some thinking. And that's the thing I, I, I feel about a lot of these companies. They're selling and making money, you know, doing product and moving product and all of that. They don't really have something that will that will last for the next generation. And you can have a startup, you can have a bunch of other stuff, but if you're not trying to change the world, your voice won't be remembered. Mm. And, th- and that's why you have to do something that could be meaningful instead of just being the definition of what that market wants. Yeah, you know, the phrase I often use is make yourself necessary. Yeah. Uh, necessary to the people in your life, to the people you want to impact. Yeah. It is about, and I say that in the sense of like, you're necessary if you decide one day to step away completely, will whatever group of people feel the impact of you not being there anymore? Yeah. That's, if, if the answer is they will feel the impact, yes, you're making, you, you've made yourself necessary to that yeah. group, to those people. Yeah. Um, two other examples that come to mind on the travel front are actually the Beatles. Yeah. They went to India. And they spent whatever it was, a week or a month with the, the Maharishi and learned meditation. Wow. They came back and they wrote the White Album. Wow. And I think they came up with something like 18 songs while they were there. Like the last day they were there or something like that. Wow. They came up 18 songs. They came back and they wrote, produced, recorded and produced the White Album. That came from travel. <laughs> That came from opening themselves up to a new experience. Literally, I, 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 I do a lot of traveling, and it's, the, it's, it's one of my biggest assets in my company. 
My good friend, Matt Wilson, who was actually a guest on this show recently, he is the co-founder of a company called Under 30 Experiences, which is a group travel organization for young adults where mm. they go to different parts of the world and have really amazing trips. And I've been on three of their trips. Um, the reason that company started is because Matt and his co-founder actually had a different company. Matt didn't really like how his, he was chained to a desk all day. Mm -hmm. He didn't like how he was feeling. So he decided to go to Iceland. And while in Iceland is when it hit him where he's like, more people, more young adults should be traveling. More people need to experience what I've just experienced here. Yeah. And it's because of travel that he had the breakthrough. And then that's how the company started. And they were just named... Um, they just made the Inc. 5000 list mm. for fastest growing companies. Wow. And they're the number one fastest growing travel company. Wow. That's amazing. So that's that, like, I, I like how you say travel helps open you up to new experiences and puts you in that mindset. Another thing you mentioned earlier was that you feel like we're retrofitting our dreams into what society says is marketable. And this, I think, is speaking more to, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this speaks a lot to that idea you you said earlier about we're all talking about, we, we know the problems that exist, but we're not really coming up with answers. Yeah. We might have a temporary band-aid yeah. bandage, <laughs> right. but we're not really coming up with answers. Is that Do you kind of see that being part of, you see the retrofitting of our dreams being a reason for why we're, we're stuck on problems and not answers? Yeah, because we're going after what's trending. You know, um, I, I, I'm signed to Atlantic Records and they have like different other artists, so-called conscious. And um, they'll be like, hey, why didn't you do that? He went and pushed the police or he went and did this. or he made a video and it was very thought provoking. And it really wasn't. It was anger provoking. It wasn't really thoughtful, you know. Um, I have that a lot to where they would like to retrofit my goals, dreams, and purpose in life to something that is more popular. I don't, I don't, I don't mind um, not being in a popular line and creating a new line, you know. Um, so I just, I just, you know, I, I, I have no, I'm not moved by it. Yeah. So many times it's been in the media where they're like, "No, you should do this because it's the it's the most popular thing to do. It's going to make you more popular." And it's like I'm not doing this to be popular. I'm doing this to be purposeful, and that's what's bringing longevity. You know, because like I, I've um, I did a working I I do this thing called working circle, where I sit down with people and we talk about how we can work to change the world and and things like that. I did one with uh, Mark Zuckerberg's main team at Facebook headquarters. And when I left there, people said, hey, you know what, listen, we usually don't have that here at Facebook. Everybody's working on, mm -hmm. on, their, on their projects with their teams and not really talking or driving themselves crazy. Um, but that's, that's where I fit in. If I was trying to fit in with the crowd, I could never be the hip-hop chaplain. I could never be a spiritual... Uh, or 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 a balance of values for a company that's valued at I don't know uh, crazy amounts. You see what I'm saying? There's opportunity in your uniqueness, and somehow we've forgotten that and just want to be, you know, 
and it's and trendy. Yeah, like everyone else, and and yeah. on the the music side of it, something that probably a few years ago I just had like a random just like reflection point where because yeah, you know, like I grew up probably around like high school, really started listening to like Talib Kweli, The mm-hmm. Roots, yeah. Most Def, people like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is so great. Like they're conscious rappers and this is no knock on them because they're fantastic artists with amazing mm-hmm. songs. But, you know, a few years ago I was thinking, I was like, but they're kind of just repeating the fact that problems exist. And yeah, it's good to make people aware, but they're not coming up with any answers. They're just continuing to say this is wrong and that is wrong. Awareness needs to, it's time awareness become activation. And somehow when you, when you start off with just awareness and not activation, then you cheat yourself out of your purpose. I, I, I remember seeing Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, at the end of his life, he had started trying to activate some of the things that he was advocating for. And while he was building awareness, he really wasn't getting what he wanted. And sometimes building awareness can only strengthen the power of someone who wish your demise. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it builds while, the case for the other side. Right. So once he got to asking for certain things for the community and never got it, people only remember the popular dream speech, but don't remember the, hey, we have to go and get exactly what they promised us. And this is what you get killed for. But if you spend your whole life always knowing that you could get killed for changing something or you could mess up for trying to change something, I would rather that than the other being popular. And I think that's what that's the angst that he felt at the end of his life. You know, like, hey, I'm I'm here, I'm about to die and people threatening me, and I'm just now getting to the answer. I'm just now pushing people for the answer. I've been building awareness, but we all been aware that black people were being treated that way. You know what I mean? And the same same for other stuff, you know, like you can get so focused on building your brand as a company that you forget what's your unique service to the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then by the time you get to your, the service, your service is half ass, but your brand is really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what we're running into. Everything is so branding and, and focused and driven on, on, on the marketing side of it um, for propaganda or whatever to fit in or to, to look like change that we're not actually creating change. So again, that's a test on the person who's been innovative. That's a test on the businessman. That's a test on the musician. That's a test on whoever. You know, I, I take a stab at preachers all the time because they have, they have this mindset of this is what I should say, but this is what I believe. And sometimes if you sit them aside and you talk about what they really believe, it has nothing to do with what they teach. So if we're going to change something, we have to draw back some of the marketing that that lends to propaganda and and have more of holistic marketing. Like don't come like I don't even compartmentalize my things anymore. I just let people like take it and pick it and have their own piece because to compartmentalize my 
my music or, or what I am is to make you choose when you come to a genre and my R&B or in my hip hop. You know what I mean? All of those things came into, and, and that right there is thinking for the consumer. Mm. What we haven't let yet is enough consumers, you know, give us the answers of like what they need. We're always just going to what's popular, what they, what, like, it's so much bad media out. Yeah. There's so much things, so many things we could change, but because good media doesn't get the light of day like bad media. We feel like in times of struggle, we have to um, compromise our mission for you know, money. Right. Now, there's one other aspect I want to touch on before we uh, bring this home. And for everyone listening, if you haven't figured it out yet, Sir the Baptist here is the voice of this season's uh, theme song for the podcast, the intro Thank song. You, man. Thank that you, you. Hear, the beat you hear in the beginning, the voice you hear as this plays out at the end. That's his music. So your most recent album that came out is Saint or Sinner. Mm -hmm. I've been playing it like crazy. Thank you. I think it's very, I'm not just saying that because you're in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually listen to it a lot. Right, thank you. Uh, when your team first reached out to me, it's funny because like, every, you know, every now and then I'll get like a random email. I'm just like, okay, who's this? And then I listen, I was like, oh <laughs> shit, like this is really good. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And um, one of the things you know, that I've read up on you that I thought was really interesting and it's so, it has so much business savvy behind it is the way you were able to get customer feedback or in this case, listener feedback. Yeah. Um, you were driving Lyft cars, or you're driving for Lyft rather. Can you explain how you were able to get feedback while driving Lyft? I would have people get in the car and listen to my music. And if they could listen to the music while, um, while just sitting in the car going to their destination, if they could listen to the music, then it, it passed the first stage. You know, um, if they would actually listen to the music and go, what's this? And that's, that's another thing. Um, if they ask, hey, can we turn the channel? It's, it's not their style of music. And based on where I was picking them up at, what I could perceive from their looks and everything like that, because that is part of marketing, and what I could perceive from their character, I would go, okay, then I need to adjust or I need to leave it the way it is, or this person isn't someone that I would probably reach. I would change the music, everything from, uh, at the point I was, I had a feature with uh, Taylor Bennett, who is- um, Yeah, Chance the Rapper's brother. brother. Yeah. I had a feature with him. We never released it, but it's a great feature. He did very well. Um, I had everything from there to a, a collaboration with Tony Bennett. <laughs> and um, driving Lyft, but I had quit Lyft. I had quit Leo Burnett to drive Lyft to go after my music because I had given enough ideas to McDonald's. Yeah. Um, for free. <laughs> well, not for free, but yeah, for right. a lot cheaper than. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I, I, yeah. Everything from Taylor Bennett to Tony Bennett. And I would play anything in between. And based on what they liked, I started building a following off of Lyft. I started building my team off of Lyft. And my main supporters, like that was funding off of Lyft. 
The key thing I want to point out with that, that every entrepreneur should learn from, is that you played your music, but you didn't say, hey, this is my music, what do you think of it? Or even just say, hey, what do you think of this? Right. You just observed what's their natural reaction. It's yeah. very easy if you have an app to put it in front of someone and mm -hmm. say, hey, this is this new app I'm working on, can you give me your feedback? Yeah. But the feedback is going to be biased because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Right, right. Or maybe they don't like you and they do want to hurt your feelings. Right, right. <laughs> um, if you force them to react, it's not the real reaction. Whereas right. what you did was you just played it and see would they react. Mm -hmm. If yes, what does that reaction look like? And then yeah. you could start to figure out who's the music for. Now, one other question I have for you is you said you would – look at, okay, this is responding well with this group, so I can make it more like this. Now, how do you compare that against the earlier stuff we talked about, which is you don't want to just retrofit for the market? Well, you, at that point, you're not retrofitting your mission, you know, and it's a difference between picking your font and picking your, your mission statement. Your font, even in your font, should be something that is unique to self, right? That's one thing I love about Leo Burnett. The, the logo is his signature, mm -hmm. you know? Um, the font has to be unique to self, which is why you, I, 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 today I spent, I have a new song coming out called Working, and I spent all day going to find um, pastry chefs that would write on a donut because I needed a specific or original, unique font that comes from a frosting and come from a hand. Like we went to five different places. That draws you closer to your mission. So I, it, stay unique in mission, but know how to serve. Like the, the problem is we, be, we become so unique and we've forgotten how to serve. Like my serving them isn't diluting who I am. It's knowing that I can't feed a baby steak. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I go, okay, she loves Tony Bennett. She loves the sound of American standards, you know, uh, the American songbook, you know. So I'm going to lend to some of those chords, but give her the same mission so that it ties to, you know, what I see her advancing to or how I see myself enter her life. Now, when I, Santa uh, Santa, for example, the album, I left it open, one, because I, I didn't know who would get it, whether it would be a saint or a sinner, <laughs> or, or what they would think of me, am I a saint or a sinner? Um, and I made songs that could fit in the, the, complex, the complexity of, of, of negativity in hip hop, but I spoke on things from a different angle to, to, to raise that vibration. So there's ways to, to, to lean into a market, but not change your mission. There's ways to know how to serve someone because if they want it on a plate, give it to them on a plate, but also give them something that they could, that could blow their mind on the plate. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's really, you know, when you speak to the sound aspect of it, I think what a lot of traditionally conscious rap does is make it 
it's it ends up sounding very accusatory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which again you create some awareness, but then you you push away the audience who you're trying to ultimately get to see your point. Right. Right. And, and it's not it's not even it, it, sometimes they don't even, like for example I'll just say it like Childish Gambino. This is America. Horrible. For what reason? Because I like the song. I, th- I I thought it was pretty powerful. But what well, you tell one, me, the song is stolen, right? Okay. So that, like that's that's one thing for me. For me from who? Um, some kid that made a song in 2016, and the sound is just too close okay. to be inspired by. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah. So somebody heard it, or he heard it in 2016, and he stole it from Charlie. <laughs> I don't know. They're definitely family. <laughs> These records are family. Um, but that's one. And then two, to say this is America and you're shooting a black man on camera. TV. Yeah. You know, um, it is, that is in America. But in order to be conscious music instead of propaganda, you have to give answers. And in this case, there was no answers given. Matter of fact, you look up uh, different interviews. Um, major interviews he had with him and ask him, they asked him, you know, he didn't have many answers to give. It was, it was a, it, it was propaganda because that's what people, the shock value. I get it. I was in Leo Brenner. I get this, the shock value. I get that you want to, you want to pull people in, but give them answers. Yeah. And it's funny, as you say that, literally what I'm thinking of is in, the song on your album, Deliver Me, mm-hmm. which is, as I've learned now, is about your sister, you said? Yeah. Right? And in the first few lines, you say, like, you know, she was working in the church and would yeah. get, uh, was beaten by the, the deacon, yeah, I believe? who was her husband. Yeah. Okay, who was her husband? You literally have as, like, an over in the lyrics, you're like, if you know somebody dealing with this, send them a text right now and say, I love you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cause like, so you've, like, you've literally provided even like the smallest step, step someone could take. And you don't have to give them, give them the full thing. You know, you want to give them just a starting point, And then from there, it'll continue. Because then when they need it, someone will be, hey, you know, you sent me I love you a while back. I just thought about you and just wanted to text you I love you back. That right there starts a, a compassion between. It, it just starts a relationship. If your if your marketing only starts a conversation, um, that uh, only starts uh, um, um, anger. If it only start, if, if, like Trump, you yeah. know what I mean? It's it's to me. There's no difference between Trump saying, "Who? What else do you have?" the black community and then you shooting a black man on TV as inspiration to the younger kid. That's a really interesting take. And the idea of starting conversations, actually the president of Pixar, this was a few years back, said company slogans should be thought of as starting points, not as conclusions. Ooh, I like that a <laughs> lot. I like that a lot. That's so true. Now, the mission of your music is to heal. Can you let our listeners know where they can find your work and where they can learn more about you? Um, you can find me on uh, uh, Spotify, um, Apple, Tidal, uh, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere as 
Sir the Baptist, S-I-R-T-H-E-B-A-P-T-I-S-T, Sir the Baptist. I also own SirTheBaptist.com. Um, and I'm usually just either at a festival or plan some venue and, and on, on the side just trying to help the community. And I want to just do a really quick like rapid fire here about a few different topics we've discussed as well as the album itself. Okay. So just kind of give me like your gut response to some of these fill mm-hmm. in the blanks. Okay. So fill in the blank. The purpose of music is to. To heal. Your purpose in life is to. Like Sir the Baptist's purpose. Uh, bring awareness to uh, holistic thinking. Marketing should do what for the community? Advance the community. Entrepreneurs should stay away from? Hmm. Entrepreneurs should stay away from servicing a community without understanding it. I like that. We'll end it there. Sir the Baptist, this was a really fun conversation. Yeah, man, this is amazing. Thank, Thank you. Thank you appreciate for it. joining and being on the show. As he mentioned, you can find his music online. You're about to hear his voice play as I'm talking right now because the outro music's coming in right about now. And you'll also hear at the end of that outro where you can find his music once again. Thank you once again for joining us, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That wrapped up our conversation. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the absolute best compliment you can give is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, therefore more people can discover their inner awesome. And if you want to extend that compliment further, while you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or the various other networks in which you can find this show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as access to the over 100-episode archive, visit the podcast official site, www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. And remember, for tips, strategies, and ideas on how to build up your company's hype with a message that sings, visit startuphypeman.com. Season 10's theme song is from Sir the Baptist. The song is called Dance with the Devil. It is off his album Saint or Sinner, which you can grab on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, and anywhere else digital music is distributed. That'll tie a bow on this one. Thank you again to this week's guest for joining us. I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to Startup Hype Man's Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. It's a dance with the devil.